Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. to Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have the man who did an awful introduction. Wait, was that me? Yeah. You did an awful introduction. Nope. And my you name did is one. You Steven. did something like out of Wheel of Fortune. I'm glad we cut that. Steven Meyerink, Taylor's on the boards. And All, right. Rob. All right. We have the man who loves Persona 4 and is probably going to buy the fighting game. Absolutely. I'm Derek Heemsbergen, Embryon on the boards, and I do news and now reviews maybe and other stuff. Are you really excited for a Persona fighting game? I am. Yes. Blaze Blue is amazing, so how could it not be be awesome? It's going to be Blaze Blue with Persona characters. It's awesome. It really can't get better. All right, all right. And coming to us from across the Atlantic. Oh, is that me? Okay. Uh, It's Greg McCallum, Starmongus on the boards. And I'm the resident groundskeeper here, RPG fan. <laughs> he has a wonderful Scottish accent. <laughs> that was a groundskeeper welly joke. <laughs> ah, but I've been here for 20 years, too. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly the ugliest man in Glasgow wasn't good enough for yeah. Uh So Greg is obviously talking to us from Scotland, so his call quality is going to suffer a little bit because of that. But hopefully, Yeah, we're a third world country. But his, his, his awesome accent makes up for it. So He's actually riding yeah. a sheep right now. Yeah. <laughs> I've plugged my mic into the sheep, and the sheep is responding well, and hopefully it will continue with the digital. I don't want to know where he plugged his mic into the sheep. <laughs> bah. <laughs> bah. All right. Um, so I'm joined by Derek, Greg, and Stephen today to talk about a game that I know nothing about. I only know the title of it, and when I hear the title for this game, I immediately start thinking about one of the most overrated PlayStation games with one of the worst sewer sections ever and a trilogy that was originally supposed to be six games that got cut short and we don't know exactly what happened to it. I'm talking, of course, about Xenoblade. Uh, Man, Rob, you just aimed it. Way to start it on a good note. Yeah, I know. No, 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 but this gets to what we're talking about here. Okay, so the game was originally called Monado, right? Yeah, Beginning of the World. Okay, Beginning of the World, which I think is kind of a really cool title, like... When it was first announced, that's what we all heard the game as. And then they were like, no, 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 no. We got the director of uh, Xenogears and Xenoblade doing this, so we need to get as much Xeno into it as possible. And we can't call it Xeno, Xeno, Xeno. That's, that's not what happened, though. What happened was they were like, yeah, this guy's awesome. Let's tribute it to him and call it Xenoblade. But why? Why? why well, they were thinking about – they were kicking around the idea of calling it like Xeno can opener, but they didn't think people would go for that. <laughs> Xenoblade it was. <laughs> Ah, but uh, so we're going to talk about Xenoblade, which is um, kind of a hot topic right now because it's been released in Europe. Uh, did Nintendo of Europe release it over there, or who published it in Europe? Nintendo of Europe. Nintendo, yeah. So Nintendo of Europe published it over there, and right now there are no plans to bring it to America. And, of course, we've had a lot of grassroots efforts to bring this game over here. And it kind of seems like, based on reviews and based on talking to you guys, and, of course, that's what we're here to talk about, that this is kind of like the secret great JRPG of the last few years. So I'm going to fire it over to Steven to tell me why I should be excited for this game. All right, well, uh, the game starts out, and you start out in a town called New Tristram, and there are five character class. Oh, wait, what? hold on. Um, what? Wrong game. Sorry. What? Diablo 3 of the mind. Oops. Oh, okay, sorry. So Xenoblade starts off um, with these two gods called the Bionis and the Mechanis, and they're locked in an eternal conflict where they're, you know, being jerks to each other for some unknown reason. I don't know. Um, but basically, they, they fight forever, and at some point, um, the battle comes to a standstill because they both injure each other. And these gods exist for millennia, who knows how long. And after um, a long enough time, life develops on these, these giant gods. Um, and the, the characters in this game start off uh, on the, the god called the Bionis. Um, they live in a colony called Colony 9. 
which is constantly under assault by this evil force known as the Mekon that live on the other giant, the Mekonis. So nothing can harm the Mekon except for this sword called the Monado. And uh, a year prior to the game starting, there's a hero named Dunban who takes control of the Monado when he repels the, the Mekon invasion, and everything's all fine and dandy, but uh, the, he loses control, and he's no longer able to use the Monado. So this is where the main character, Shulk, comes in, and he's just a young mechanic. Uh, he doesn't really seem to have any extraordinary abilities other than being intelligent, which is different for a JRPG protagonist. But, um, you know, some events happen, and he gets control of the Monado, and he finds out that he can use it. So he goes on a quest to uh, defeat the Mechon, and, and everything just goes crazy from there. All right. Crazy it does. So I, I want to point out, too, uh, I know there was a lot of talk about how the developers really wanted to make Shulk likable, and he really is. Like, he's not whiny or annoying, but he's also not like, you know, let's fighting love, super positive. He's so it's... He kind of does. He's very good. He, he does kind of get... He does get, yeah, he does get a bit love happy near the end. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm 70 hours into this game, and I know that I'm not... I mean, I'm, I'm probably more than halfway, but there are Jeez. so many side quests and so much to do in this game. But, I mean, up until where I'm at, it hasn't fallen apart. He's, he's still pretty likable. He's so, just yeah, like an average and, guy. He, he's a smart guy. He's not a dumb brawny dude. That's what his side no, is No, he never, he never gets annoying. He's always likable. Yeah, but, and, you know, the relationships, like, my biggest, the thing I like best about Tales games and about the best Final Fantasy IX is that you get a real sense that the characters are friends and of their relationship. And Xenoblade has skits just like uh, Tales, but you encounter them in different, you know, places. And what it really succeeded at early on in the game, because the world looks cool and the combat is fun, but when I first started playing it, the thing I noticed most was the fact that the characters had this dynamic that the game didn't just say, oh, these people are friends, accept it. They explained it and they showed it. And, you know, the two main characters, they're like, they have, like, their bromance going on. And, yeah. you know, they'll refer back, to like, oh, remember when this happened? And, you know, you know, they'll, you know, they'll talk about it. And it informs, you know, how they react to events, because you see... You know, Shulk is known as not being that great of a fighter, so, like, his friend who's a big brawny dude. He's like, dude, you suck at this. I'll take care of it. <laughs> and, through it, you know, based on what I've played so far, it seems like it's, it has a really interesting arc for the characters set up. The game but really encourages developers... you to... Sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Sorry. Okay, the game really encourages you to, encourages you to develop those relationships between the characters. Everything about the battle system intertwines with how... Well, the characters know each other, and it really works out well. It really encourages you to know not just more about the characters, but also helps you in a tangible way within the gameplay. Huh. Yeah, it's neat because the characters are they they talk to each other during battle um, way more than any other RPG I played. It's not just like they're so, they're yelling out "Holy Slash" or whatever. They're actually going, you know, Shulk will say, "Ryan, you know, get him" or whatever. I don't know. That what a stupid, bunch of but... jokers! Yeah, what yeah, a bunch, a of, bunch jokers. of jokers. Um, but there, you I, know, I there's banter <laughs> all the time, and uh, there, there's an actual reason for all that. Whenever you you can have a burst affinity in battle, which is where there's kind of a QTE button press, whenever somebody lands a critical hit or evades an attack, not every time, but a lot of the time, that'll pop up. And when you do that, it raises your affinity with your party members, and there's a, there's a chart called the affinity chart where it shows how much everybody likes one another, and that affects a lot of things like um, when you do chain attacks, which are like a special combination attack that you can initi and initiate and everybody keeps attacking in tandem, um, the higher your affinity, the more likely you are to do more attacks together. So there's a reason to be building a strong bond with your teammates, and it works out well in, in the context of the story, and, and it just affects everything. And it makes sense because, you know, you have, you know, you have a squad of people that are fighting together, and as they get tighter knit, you know, they fight better as a, as a cohesive unit. And I think that it's just, I really like that they managed to work that into the gameplay, because that's usually what makes me really like an RPG. Like, you know, my favorites are like Shadow Hearts, and the, the character interactions are just so good, and to have it integrated into the gameplay is... You know, I've owned the original Shadow Hearts for like six years, and I've, I've played it for five minutes. Ugh, Play it uh, more. Play it, play it more. Play isn't it more, Covenant yeah. the good one? Isn't Covenant the real? No, they're they're both awesome. Okay, maybe I'll go pick them up. Okay, and get the get I'm... the bad ending in the first one because that's the ending they go with in the second one. Cool. <laughs> um, Is but, it? Yep. To to, oh. to talk a little bit more about uh, Xenoblade, it, it kind of sounds like 
it's an extension of what you can do in Dragon Age where like you become close with your party members, they get new abilities. But it sounds like they're taking that a step further with Xenobleed, which which gives you a reason for having character interactions. Like it's cool that, you know, Barrett and Cloud are rivals in Final Fantasy Seven, but it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of battle. You know, th- there's always that giant disconnect with like Hope being a whiny little priss in Final <laughs> Fantasy 13 and then as Yahtzee pointed out in his review, he pulls a boomerang out and, you know, joins the fray and he doesn't have any of that angst coming through and fighting. And so it sounds kind of interesting that through your character interactions that creates a better party situation, a better dynamic in battle and that already makes me a little bit happy. Like I don't like the there's a complete separation in most JRPGs between combat and story. And story. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. the game – I actually have a question for you guys. Does the dialogue change as the affinity levels change? Like does Shulk always say the same thing to Ryan throughout the whole game? Because I haven't made it as far as you guys have. I think it changes a little bit. I think most of them stay the same. Because like, I, I notice it... sometimes sometimes Ryan will say like you know, he'll, he'll make a comment to the effect that Shulk isn't as good a fighter as him, so I'll take care of this one. Like if there's a big monster, he'll be like, I'll get this one, Shulk, and that sort of thing. I think he always says that. I don't think it changes the the, the higher their affinity is. I think it's just as the game progresses, some new stuff gets added. Okay. Yeah, and um, another thing that I forgot to mention about the affinity is um, every character has three skill trees that, that are like passive skills. Like um, your attacks do more damage from behind, or you get uh, your cooldowns are shorter during the day and that kind of stuff. And when your affinity is raised, you can actually use other people's skills. You can kind of, like, borrow it and set it on your character, but you can only do it once your affinity with them hits a certain level. Oh, cool. I see. I, I haven't made it far enough for that. That's really cool. There's actually more than three for yeah, each character. Sh- sh- it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just a reward. And that actually, when you mention those skills, too, that reminds me of the combat, which I really like it because it's... I've been telling everybody, it's pretty much the game Final Fantasy XII wanted to be. And, like, the the fact that the combat isn't set up with a canned list of, like, here's all your magic that's all functionally the same. All the attacks you get for each character are unique. And, like, yeah. you know, Shulk will get his first couple moves, he gets a move where he'll hit him from the side and pierce their armor, and then everyone else can do more damage. Or he'll have a move where, you know, you can backstab and do a ton of damage. And then you'll get moves that work in tandem, like, to fight the Mechon without the Monado you can knock them on their back and there are different combinations of attacks with different characters where you can like stun with one character. And then another character has a, a move where he'll hit him really hard. And since they're stunned, it knocks them on their back. So there's a lot of actual like strategy to the combat beyond just keep hitting your attack buttons. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you, if you don't use strategy, you're going to die a lot. Can yeah, I, uh, before yeah. we, before we really get in depth on the battle system, I want to talk about, if that's okay, I just, I want to talk about the thing that everybody seems to bring up with this game, which is mostly the length and the fact that, as we were talking before about the side quests, now, you guys say that there's like a ton of side quests. How do you go about getting the side quests? Are they part of the story, or is this like, my dog is missing, and you send Chaz out to find someone's dog, like in Fantasy Star 4? Both. Oh. Yeah. Like, there there are a lot of quests where it's like, oh, hey, go outside and kill these dudes. But the good part is, if they say go out and kill five of these guys, you don't have to go back to the person that gave it to you. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it just, you know, you just get the reward. And most of the quests you get just by walking around town and people will have the little exclamation points over their head. But the thing is, every character with a name has, like, a story and they get added to the affinity chart. So so you're developing relationships with all the NPCs you meet that have names. And, and you'll see their behaviors change because they all have schedules within their towns. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the first town, there's a mother and a daughter, and I guess they don't have a good relationship. And after you do a quest or two, like, the daughter wants to make mom a present, so you do that. And after you do that, then they actually start being near each other in the town, whereas they weren't before. They were, like, on different ends, and, and they're talking about, oh, I wish our relationship was better. So you're yeah, seeing so, improvements constantly. Yeah, so it's not, it's, not, it's not like WoW where it's like, oh, go out and do a million quests, nothing happens. But it's not like, oh, you're going to do this quest and it's going to directly link to the main story. I mean, a few of them, I mean, based on what I've played, a few of them are, are sort of in with it, but it seems like it's more like context of the world kind of side quests. So another thing about the quest system that's cool is that it's, it's really intuitively laid out. Um, a lot of the times you'll come to areas like their new field areas or dungeons, but there will be some NPCs hanging around the front and you'll talk to them and they'll say, 
yeah, you know, we're trying to get through here, but it's really hard because there's all these freaking crab monsters in there, and, and we can't get our, our merchandise through. So you accept the quest before you even enter the area, and you're going to be killing the crab dudes anyway when you're going through. So by killing them, you get the reward automatically for the quest because, like Steven said, you don't have to turn it in. Uh-huh. So you just kill the four crabs, and it's like, all right, here's your thousand gold and your new piece of armor, and, and it just works really well because you're not always running back and forth. And, and there's the fast travel feature where you can just teleport around, but I don't know if we want to get into that yet. Well, the the, the map in the game is gigantic, and you can run anywhere you want. But the thing is, every area has a ton of little um, landmarks that you can teleport to. So at no, it cuts out all of that obnoxious grinding that you would expect, you know, from a game. All right, backpedal. It cuts out all the annoying running around and grinding that was in Final Fantasy XII. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And and every every landmark that you find in every new little named area that isn't like a teleport landmark will give you experience and skill points. So yeah. every every place that you're exploring is giving you a benefit outside of oh it's a new place. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You so sound now, like you're not convinced. No, 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 no. No, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. No, I so it sounds like they're kind of incorporating something that has been big in Western RPGs, which is lots and lots and lots and lots of side quests to make the game nice and meaty. And I think that's awesome. Now, with that in mind, and now we understand like how the side questing system works, how is this game – I know Steven has said it before – how is this game awesome and so much of an extension of what Final Fantasy XII wanted to be? Because when you say that, Steven, it gets me excited because – I wanted to love Final Fantasy XII, but I couldn't. Here's the here's the here's the thing. John's not here. Here's, here's the, the thing. thing. Here's the thing. John, we miss you. What struck me is that everything in the game is polished. Like there aren't systems that they were like, oh yeah, sure, put that in, whatever. And then they kind of like just have it there. Like the affinity system is fully fleshed out. The combat system is fleshed out. You know, the, the positional attacking isn't just there. You know, I, you'll like this, Rob. I was like level eight or nine and I was in a cave and these monsters kept killing me over and over again. I was like, well, I'm going to have to level up to kill them. But then I was like, well, no, I want to finish this quest now. I'm here. And I was able to beat that monster by just being really careful and using my skills exactly as I was supposed to. And like, you know, comboing and using the system. And this guy that literally like he killed my characters in like two or three hits. And I was I thought it was impossible. And I beat him just by, you know, strategically using the abilities in the combat. Is the combat like? Are you dictating what uh, each one of your characters does in combat? Are you setting up something like Gambits or like Dragon Age's system that never really worked? But the the system of like, if this happens, then do this. Like, how are you in control of combat? I'll let one of those guys take this one. It's the AI. AI. They, have, they all they all have their own AI. Each character. You don't set up any Gambits, and there's no there's no if you get lower than the twenty percent health. So yeah, they, they, they do it themselves. So it's kind of like Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah. It so, is, but you can control any character, and it's not – it's hard to explain. But, you know, if you're fighting a Metcon, the characters know they have to knock him over. So if you do the move to set up knocking him over, the other character will know to do that. And you can sync up yeah. with them with the chain attacks and with the morale boosters and stuff. So it, you have more control than it seems, and I don't anticipate anyone's – like, I haven't heard anyone say, oh, man, I feel like I don't have any control, because you absolutely do. It's not it's not like Final Fantasy XIII where it was, you know, you it would have been really helpful to be able to tell everybody what to do. You mm-hmm. know, your characters don't have a huge pool of moves. So, I mean, they have a, a good number of moves, but, you know, they're relative, they're good at doing what they should be doing, at least from what I've seen. I've never yeah. I've never died because my AI characters were screwing off too much. No, they are right. Good. As far as far as I am in the game, I've I've never had a problem where I've wanted to control somebody more directly. They they just act fine. Uh-huh. And, and uh, there there are I no gonna... items to heal. I think, or at least where I am, there are no items to heal. No, everything is um, you auto heal outside of battle, and very quickly even. So you're pretty much just you're going battle by battle. Uh, I remember Chrono Cross. Your health that way. Ah, uh, Chrono Cross. Ah, uh, Chrono Cross. And I think R. we R. didn't R. mention R. it R. because it would it would help. Uh, Oh, what? Go ahead. Hmm? Oh, you said R. Never mind. You said R.I.P. Yeah, he, he, said he, was talking, he was talking about some Chrono Scottish Cross. thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's some some <laughs> His sheep is all better. I was gonna say uh, <laughs> we didn't mention that the system. It's an auto attack system. So you engage the enemy, and you run up to him, and you attack based on the delay of your weapon, kind of like an MMO. Um, and then your skills all have cooldowns, but there's no MP cost or anything like that. 
you're just managing the cooldowns of the skills. So. And I really want to draw attention to the fact that even though it's set up like an MMO, it doesn't feel un- uninteractive and boring like MMO combat. You're completely involved in the fights and you know yeah. that, moving that was around. The problem, that was the problem with Final Fantasy XII was that if you figured out how ridiculously powerful like physical attacks were and how if you're running around with haste casted on you at all times and regen and and heal spells – I didn't have to do anything in Final Fantasy XII after maybe the 10th hour. I just kind of used the left analog stick the whole time. And it, it was cool at first, and then I started to get really, really bored by it. Yeah, not the case in this game. Uh, you really do, like, you're interacting with the combat the whole time. Like, when I first started playing it, I was like, oh, this is going to be boring. But then, like, all your attacks recharge pretty quickly, and, you know, you're always doing something in combat. And it's not, like, monotonous, mind-numbing, repetitive. I mean... You know, it's as repetitive as any JRPG's combat can get, but, you know, it's just the fact that you have to actually interact with what's going on, and, you know, there are so many different status effects and, you know, different things that can happen during a battle. It really, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, can we talk about something that Greg brought up in the pre-show warm-up? I know Steven asked him if the story maintains itself the whole way through, and Greg, your answer was... No. <laughs> It, it does in a way, but it it seems to detach itself in the last five hours. I would say it starts to get uh, a bit beyond itself and its ideas, which is a shame. It, it seems to have set up a very very strong foundation, and then towards the end it says, "Okay, we've got to make this even more epic." So what's more epic than epic? And you just you, you it just extrapolates from there. So it very much is a Xeno game. Yes, <laughs> carries the tradition. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to troll there. I think that was the problem with all the Xeno games. Like, no, I, the end of Xeno Gears was amazing. It was the most interesting part of the game. I completely. Uh, oh, that's right, because you didn't like the gameplay, so you, I you liked the game. So you liked the second disc of Xeno Gears, which is a weird I, answer. I was sitting there going, "All right, the graphics in this game are awful, but that's fine. I don't care. The music is amazing. The story is awesome. I hate the combat. I hate how long everything takes." Disc 2 was like, oh, we're going to cut out all the crap you hate and just teleport you to where you have to be to see the next cutscene. That's true. awesome. That's true. Whereas Xeno... If you want to talk a game that got that balance perfectly, it was Xenosaga 3. That was the best one in that series. Yeah, see, I played, I played one, and I was kind of underwhelmed by it, not only because I was expecting it to like be epic and more like Xenogears. I, I really liked aspects of it. I think the biggest problem with Xenogears was that it was like a 20-hour RPG. Like the first Xeno Saga, sorry, Xeno Saga, like the first game, I beat it and I was like, that's it? Yeah. With the, I actually watched all the cutscenes online and then just skipped straight to Xeno Saga 2. Yeah, and 2 is the one that has serious problems. Like, 2 is the I, one. I, I enjoyed it. Like, it has pacing issues and it has an unbelievably. I mean, all right, never mind. The final boss fight in 2 is awesome and I think 2 is great, but. The thing is, one had such a focus on cutscenes, and in two, they tried to like change it so much to make it different. And three really got a good balance between the story and the gameplay, which had a really fun combat system. Mm-hmm. But so Xenoblade, we're we're saying that the story goes absolutely crazy. It does not have a furry being nailed to a cross, though, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Damn. I, I still like it. I still like the story. I'm just saying that um, I feel like it could have been so much tighter if they just. Just ended it past a certain a certain point. It oh, so you mean what... you mean like the halfway point in Star Ocean Three? <laughs> I, I I couldn't say I've never uh, played it. Uh, I've never. I don't even want to talk about it. I really don't. I've never even played a Star <laughs> Ocean game. Dude, Star Ocean games are the most overrated games in the history of the universe, and I've played all. I'll of disagree. Them, so that before... is held by Uncharted. Quiet, Rob. Anyway, you're just shooting yourself in the foot here. Yeah, I'm sorry Rob. that Nathan Drake always shoots himself in the foot. Nathan Drake is awesome, and Derek agrees with me. And he's always so Nathan damn Nathan Drake about is him. a manly piece of amazingness. Nathan yes. Drake has killed more minorities than polio. Not as many as Leon Kennedy. Uh, Does polio only go after minorities? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and the hunter virus, okay? And then Leon Kennedy falls to his knees and goes, oh, no. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I just I just like that sound effect when he dies. Um anywho, um so Xenoblade can convince me of other things that are awesome about this game. It's on the Wii. Does it use any obnoxious Wii motion? Nope. No. 
Isn't that the best part? <laughs> you can you can play it with a classic controller, and that's all you have to do because it actually controls better with that. Because the, uh, on the Wiimote, you have to hold down a button and use the D-pad to move the camera, which is perfectly workable. But if you have the classic controller plus with the two analog sticks or whatever, uh, you can just move it with the right stick, which it's the way it was meant to be played. And we have a review of the soundtrack on the site that uh, somebody wrote, who's pretty awesome. And uh, the soundtrack is, and I'm going to go ahead and put my opinion here. I don't know if anyone agrees. It's unbelievably good and awesome. Is it better than yes. the Chrono Cross soundtrack? No, but nothing is, so that's not fair anyway. No, I know, I know. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's like putting Empire Strikes Back against any other Star Wars movie. It's just No, Jedi's better. What? Yes. No. Yes. That's not true. No. All right, we're getting Jedi, off topic here. No, we're getting Jedi, off topic, Jedi so let's move on. Bears. Jedi move back teddy bears. It doesn't matter if Jedi has teddy Jedi bears. Has, it has teddy bears. Your mom has teddy bears. It has teddy bears that beat the Empire <laughs> with logs and sticks. Well, yeah, sometimes the simplest people win. We won the Civil War, didn't we? Yeah, because we cost... Hey! We got... That heart stood. <laughs> oh. It just got personal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anywho, uh, Derek, you want to talk about something? So, Xenoblade's awesome, guys, and let me tell you why. Um, the areas are incredibly expansive, like the biggest areas I've seen in any JRPG ever. A lot of Western RPGs do that, like open world kind of thing. And it's not its not really open world, I guess, because you can't go anywhere. You are going through a linear set of areas. But those areas are so big. Anywhere you see, you can walk, and a lot of games say that. Like, oh, yeah, if you see that mountain, you can go to it. But you really can in Xenoblade. I mean... Obviously, you can't scale vertical walls. Well, actually, you can sometimes. There, there are vines that you can climb, but uh, you know you can't. You can't go absolutely anywhere. It's not ridiculous like that. But if you if you see a lake, if you see a waterfall, if you see a cliff, you can go to it and you can jump off it. Oh, um, that's so fun! And, that is so fun. Yeah, you get an achievement There's, for jumping jumping off of a waterfall too. Wait, you do, you wait do. the game has achievements? Yes. Yes. We're gonna get yeah. to that. Wow. It has its own system of achievements built in, and there are a crap load of them, and you get them for all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's not your Xbox account, or it's not trophies, but it's still awesome to have all those things to build towards. Well, that's kind of cool. And to expand yeah. on what Derek was saying, the world is big, but it's not empty. Like, there are things to find all over these huge areas, and you get experience and skill points for going to them. So it's not like, oh, yeah, I can run out here, but there's nothing there. It's There's so much detail everywhere that it's just... Awesome. And you can swim. Yes, you can swim. Swim, yay. Yes, so <laughs> when you jump off that waterfall and you land in that lake, it doesn't just say, oh, you drown because you're an idiot that can wield a magic sword <laughs> but never learned how to swim. <laughs> uh, you know, you land in the water and you just swim over to the shore, and, and if you want, you can teleport back up to the top of that waterfall and jump off all day, which is what oh, I did. Oh, yeah, you, you, you can teleport just yeah. like, to, get, to get everywhere quickly. You can blink there. Which is really handy. So since the world is so big, you don't want to be trailing back and forth. So it's just a matter of selecting yeah. where in the map you want to go, and you're right there. Cool. Yeah, there's a there's a, a really big side quest that opens up pretty early in the game where you're rebuilding a colony that was destroyed. So as you progress, you're getting new items and parts that they need to rebuild this town, like to add more shops or build houses or add gardens and stuff. So you're finding those parts naturally as you progress through the game, and so it would be a pain if you had to walk back there. So the game just lets you teleport there, as long as there's not like some catastrophic story event happening. Um, yeah. You can just teleport back there whenever you want to, turn in the items, and then see the progress. And you can invite people to join the town later. So that's it's kind of like building a base in a Suikoden game, sort of. Not, not to Arcadia. that. Yeah, our skies of Arcadia. Not to that degree, but it's a smaller, it's smaller scale. But it's still really cool. cool. And, and also, it's just another example of why travel is convenient and it's it's fun and easy to explore and to go back to old places. Yeah, but it's not like Oblivion where you can go everywhere to begin with. You have to actually find the places. Like, So there's a reason to explore, too. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I could just do this quest or I could just teleport there and do it. You have to actually run to these places the first time. But then when you want to go back, you don't have to do it again. It definitely sounds like an interesting game. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I was thinking about picking up a Wii just to play this game because, you know, when somebody says that the best JRPG came out, I, I know that I get a lot of flack on this show for people saying that I hate JRPGs. That's not the fact at all. Like, I started out with JRPGs. It's just that 
what I want in a video game has dramatically changed in the past couple of years, and I feel like the JRPG, JRPG hasn't. But there's a reason I love Persona 4 so much because that's doing what I want the JRPG to do, like the chocolate and peanut butter of like you know social date sim where I'm trying to date like a cute anime girl while at the same time going into a dungeon and leveling up and getting stronger, like. I really like that mixture, and it sounds like Xenoblade is taking exploration and a fun combat system and character interaction and wrapping it all together. I guess the question becomes, the only way I can play this in America, I'm going to have to jump through some serious hoops, How? Uh, which no. we're not going to talk about, but how much do we think this is going to happen? Do we think that this is going to come to America? I have faith that it will. No. I, 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 think think it, I think it I will. Think it, do I you think really think it I really think so. I th- not not soon, <laughs> but you'll get it one day. I think Nintendo is being a little too smug about it. They're almost like delighting in the fact that they know it's annoying people, and that kind of frustrates me. Um, a lot of people have been saying it may come out along with, uh, what is it, the last story on the Wii U, and I feel like that would be a gigantic slap in the face to everybody that has a Wii. It's like, well, you can't have it unless you buy our stupid new console that we're not even sure what we're doing with it. Well, so, does Nintendo – do we know where the rights are for publishing this? The rights belong to – I have no idea. Okay. I'm, I'm sure John would be able to tell us that. But you know, could we I, – I guess my thought process is I could see the rights getting sold, and I think that this could come out on the Vita. Why not? Mm. I think uh, Nintendo of Europe localized it. They funded the localization, so uh, probably not because uh, well. uh, it, it was – a. It was localized by freelancers, but they were paid by Nintendo, so probably not. Yeah, if any freelancers are listening to this, we would love to talk to you guys. That's why, um, yes, we would. That's why, uh, like, Tales of Symphonia didn't come out on PS2 in the U.S., because it was localized by Nintendo in English. Ah, okay. I also wanted to point out one other thing about Xenoblade. It has a crap load of loot, like a ton of it, and it's pretty good. Like, there's a gem crafting system that's really elaborate. There's... You know, there's slotted weapons like in Diablo, and there's just an app. Diablo? There's like, yeah, I had to throw it in there. Where? There's like nine, <laughs> there, I think there's like nine or ten different slots for equipment, and I mean, there's so much stuff you can find, and having that aspect in there too is awesome, because there's randomized loot with different, you know, perks and stuff, so yeah, it's kind of like Diablo. And I would say, more often than not, I found myself wearing items dropped from monsters rather than things that I bought from shops. Like, I rarely I bought any armor ever. or weapons from shops. I hardly ever bought so, from shops. And there's also another thing we didn't mention. There's uh, if if anybody's played like Final Fantasy XI, they have basically what are notorious monsters, like you know s- named monsters. So you have like your generic beach crab, and then you have crabby Mega crab. king, yeah, crabby kingler jerk face. <laughs> and if you kill him, you get you know there's special music and it's intense, and you're beating his shell up. And then when you, awesome when you too. beat those, yeah, yeah, and when you beat them, you get special drops that are better than what normal monsters would drop. And those are always above what you can buy in shops, just about. And like Crab I mentioned, people. and like I mentioned Crab earlier, too. People. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget the day I ran away from a level 80 frog. <laughs> Ribbit. <laughs> Coming to get you. And like I mentioned earlier, your equipment has, you know, a good bit to do with how well your characters can hold up, but you can win a lot of difficult fights, like with those named monsters by being you know smart with your moves too so it's it's a really good balance between getting better loot to win and having to fight intelligently and it's really addictive like that that's why you'll hear people saying hey i got lost doing side quests for like 10 hours because it's actually fun to fight like a fight starts the awesome music starts and then it's like okay i have to actually utilize what i've spent the past 30 hours building up yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to not be completely impassioned and opinionated about this but i I really feel like this is probably the best game on the Wii, yes. um, if oh, not one of the best, definitely the best yeah. JRPGs to come out in in years. I mean, on any console, it yeah. is so incredibly good. I if if I was scoring it, which I'm not, I would probably put it like 99 percent or 100. Whoa! Yeah, oh, you're going to be disappointed. I would probably put it. I haven't played as much as you guys have, but based on what I've played so far, it hits all the right notes. And every time you get to a point where you're like, oh. They're going to integrate this now, and it's going to be half-assed. It's like, oh, nope, never mind. They did it correctly. It's like they learned from every mistake that JRPGs have made in the past and that other games like that aren't JRPGs have made and fixed it. Is there a snowboarding minigame after a main character dies? Yes. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> no, I made I made that up. I made that up. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's no snow. I was gonna say no I don't remember that. It's wakeboarding. <laughs> so I guess the the big consensus is that Xenoblade needs to come to America, and apparently I need to play this game. Yeah, you should. Yes, even right. you should, Rob. I like. I, trust me, I'm looking for a good JRPG. Uh, you guys recommended Shadow Hearts, and I've been sitting here oh. trying to see where I can find a copy of Shadow Hearts Covenant because I have the original game. Nowhere you can't but, find it. I, Rob, I, I, just, I have two copies of Covenant, Rob. If you need to play that game, I will send it to you. I don't care. Shadow Hearts Covenant, other than Digital Devil Saga 2, is the best year, best RPG of the last decade. It's Whoa. amazing. I, I gotta say, I didn't. I, I don't know what it was about Digital Devil. I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Oh, that makes. Me I so like. Sad. I I like the characters in Shadow Hearts better, uh, but Digital oh, Digital Devil is awesome. But we won't get into that. Shadow Hearts is an amazing game. Okay. Both, and Covenant is more balanced, but I think the story is a little. The arc of the story is better in the first one. Hmm. Um, but th- there's no reason you. Sh- I played the first one like two years ago for the first time. After I played the second one, and I still had a blast playing it. It's awesome. Well, I'm figuring that when there's like a lull in uh, the release schedule coming up, which will probably be never after we get to news. But uh, I do want to play it. My buddy bought it for me for like a birthday present years ago, and I that's just how I, I, that's it. how I got my friend to play it. I bought it for him because we were both really into the second one, and I was like, dude, I bought you the first one. You should only borrow it. It has cannibals in it. I know, right? He, like, eats people. I'm kind of cool with that. No, not that. Oh. Plus, there's, the main... a canna... there's a cannibal village. Oh, God. There is. The main character is completely awesome, too. Well, I guess we're going to have to have a Shadow Hearts podcast now. Oh, so. my God, dude. If we have a Shadow Hearts <laughs> podcast. I want to come on to third... Is the third right, one right. worth a damn? I heard really the th- bad things about it. The third I'm one? Pl- my opinion is still third... good. It's just not as good as one and two. It's it's way more lighthearted. Yeah, like I mean, well, yeah. it's it's actually still kind of it's I don't know it's dark, but uh, it it keeps a more playful tone throughout. I like to explain it like this: the first two have the like the second one is a direct sequel to the first one, and the, it uses the bad ending from the first one, which sets up this amazing story arc for the main character. Like it's it's one of the most moving stories in, a, in an RPG I've ever played. Like I think it's amazing. And the third, at the end of the second one, there are two endings, and neither of them really lead to another game with that character. So uh, the third one ha- is a new character and a new time period. And the second one was a little more jokey than the first. Uh, yeah, the first and the one, third, like, I played it for an hour, and it was dark as hell. It's dark, but it has a dark sense of humor. And the second one has that too, but it's a little more slapstick. But it's yeah. still good. The third one is a lot more slapstick. You get a giant kitty in your party. Oh, for um, sake. And the combat Alcohol, alcoholic K. An al- alcoholic cat that hangs out with Al with uh what's his name? The mobster. Al Pacino. I was gonna say I was gonna say Al Pacino Capone. too. Al Capone, yeah. He's friends with Al Capone. Oh, wow. What but, an idiot. RPG fan where the editors don't know about anything other than RPGs. That's true. I'm not even American and I know Al Capone. You're Scott it sorry, it was too easy. <laughs> and what? <But> yeah, <laughs> I was gonna make no an one Al- told me. I was going to make an alcoholism joke, and then I realized I was going to come off like a stupid American that can't tell the difference between an Irishman and a Scotsman. Hostia. No, no well, the, I, Irish, the Irish are alcoholics, the Scottish are drug addicts. <laughs> oh, good for you. Greg. Is that why your icon on Skype is like coked out? <laughs> it's Oshawa. It's He's Oshawa like, acid tripping. Uh, wait, Greg, what do you want? Do you want freedom? Freedom! <laughs> You'll uh, never take your freedom. Well, definitely let us know if you guys want a Shadow Hearts podcast. Uh, apparently one person on the boards wants me to do my hour-long vampire monologue, but I don't know if John's going to let me. <laughs> I'm willing to start selling favors if people go on the boards and say they'll do it, they want a Shadow Hearts podcast because – I want to play it. I really do. It, it definitely intrigued me when I first started. I think it's kind of interesting that we started talking about Xenoblade and now we went to Shadow Hearts. But okay, we're talking about awesome JRPGs, so it makes sense. And I really want. Trust me, guys. Like I love a good JRPG. I just think that there's there's been a little bit of. And and as much as I didn't like Radiant Historia, I still respect it as a good JRPG. And I think that that's a really good game if you have a DS and you're looking for something to play. It wasn't my cup of tea, but I respect it. You know what I mean? Radiant Historia is the epitome of the traditional JRPG. Right. Xenoblade is a modern JRPG, and that's cool. That's freaking awesome. All right. Uh, should we get to news? Sure, why not? Okay. okay. Derek, lay down some news on us, and I want to discuss some things. 
All right, I've got six pieces of news today. Uh, the first one is that we just found out Star Wars The Old Republic is going to launch on December 20th. Anybody else find it just a little funny that the day after they say, yeah, Diablo 3 isn't coming out this year? No. An I, apology? I just, I just found it a little funny. Just a little funny. Uh, no, so Old Republic, December 20th, which I find – that's an interesting day to release it. I think it's you're you're missing most of the holiday season, but it's still kind of like you know they they've talked about only doing like a rolling ba- a rolling admission of people, like kind of limiting the number of users. So maybe that was the mentality there. What do we think it's going to do, guys? Is this going to be? I don't have big expectations for it. I really don't. Like not as a game. Like I'm sure it'll be at least passable, but I don't think it's going to do that well. Like people. Star Wars isn't really as, you know, I mean, it's still a hot property, I guess, but it's not like in the public eye as much. And it's just, wow. I mean, all right, I haven't played it yet, but everything I've seen, they go on and on about the storytelling. And Bioware has great storytelling, but the fact is adding in conversation wheel to wow is still just wow with a conversation wheel. Well, more to my question is that would this game be getting more press and more buzz and more fan reaction if it was a Mass Effect MMO? Has Mass Effect kind of replaced, at least in the video game space, has Mass Effect earned more clout as the science fiction RPG than Star Wars? I think it has more to do with the fact that there's already been a Star Wars MMO and people liked it until Sony ruined it. True, and I, I think that you also have to – I think that that's definitely part of it, and it's also the – you have WoW, which is the 500-pound gorilla in the room. I mean WoW just steamrolls everything, and they've apparently made this game very much like WoW, and so would you rather just keep playing WoW or would you play this? Or are some people looking for something different like Guild Wars, which we talked about before? Like I, I think that maybe trying to make something a lot like WoW – not 100% the right way to go about it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's going to be a bad game, and I don't think it's going to be a failure, but it ain't going to do WoW numbers. It, it simply won't. It won't do that. And I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting. I just You're think an optimist, Bioware... Rob. I'm an optimist. <laughs> That's what I like about you. I just yeah, think... such an optimist. <laughs> you guys are jerks. I just think Bioware is more creative than that. Bioware could have made a game that would have been different. And instead, I don't know whose mandate it was or what they were going for, but they're just making the same game somebody else made, and they've never done that before. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example, and I can't think of one. Exactly. Damn. Bioware could I, have been, I think it's going to be I, pretty I just, successful. I think it will be successful financially and maybe even you know critically. I just – it's not that exciting to me. Like, well, it's I think like, all right, that, well, it's an MMO, and, you know, since it's not Guild Wars 2, it's just going to be grind and do quests well, and go out and... To be fair, this is... Kill five Jedis and then return to me for a reward of ten galactic credits. Well, okay, I don't... now kill ten Super Jedis and return to me for fifty galactic credits. I don't think it's going to be that bad, Stephen. Now I... I want you to meet a Sith Lord. Oh, but you can have a conversation option to change your uh, rewards. I give me a better reward. Well, sure, I'll do that. Or if you're a Jedi, you will give me a better reward. Or are if you... you're a Sith, stab. <laughs> are you done? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just really mad about this game. I'm but trying I, to hold it back. I think also, Stephen, what you and I have to realize is that we're not MMO players, so this doesn't appeal to us right off. I am. So, Derek, does it appeal to you? No, I, I'm not really a Star Wars fan. What? <sighs> It's all what? It's all right. I'm just not like a super devoted, uh, passionate fan. Stephen and Robert dying, so I'll just continue the be. podcast. You hand shot first. Oh you yes, hand shot first. You will be. Sigh. <laughs> I, I think it won't. I wow. think it'll. I think it'll do well. I don't think it's going to be a massive success, and I think. You know, in the MMO space, I think we're all kind of just waiting for Project Titan. We're all just waiting for the next Blizzard MMO at this point. So, yeah. I just, <laughs> I think, I like the tack Guild Wars 2 is taking, although recently it's looked a little more like a regular MMO. But I think what Bioware should have done is what I wanted them to do, which is make a Mass Effect MMO, because that universe is super interesting and theirs. Because there's tons of stuff they could explore with that that would be really like fascinating, and then I could be a Turian and, and I could be impressive. 
And uh, I can be G-A-R-R-S-U-S-Z. Uh, trust me, there's going to be more Mass Effect games, so we already know that. All right, next piece of news. Uh, Diablo 3 has a release window, and it's of early 2012. It's as if thousands of voices cried out. And then it was suddenly silenced. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I'm tired of sites saying, oh, it's been delayed. It hasn't been delayed. They didn't say it was coming out this year. Yeah, they, they said, said they were shooting might. for it. Yeah, they were said they were shooting for it. This doesn't – I figured it was – love to put a negative spin on Diablo. This, this flies in the face of one of my predictions for this year. I thought they were going to get it out at Christmas time, but I think that, you know – I would much rather have this game come out and be polished. There's been a lot of talk. Uh, the beta went public this week, and there's been a lot of talk that, like, the Demon Hunter, for example, is going to get a little bit of a reworking in what order she gets her skills. There's kind of a feeling right now that she's a little under- underpowered at low levels, and Blizzard is going to sit there and work on that. And that's what's awesome about Blizzard is that they're going to turn around and make a super polished game that's going to be incredibly fun to play when it comes out the gate. I would rather have that than let's say fallout new vegas which apparently plays awesome now but when it came out it was broken for two months so i'm okay with the delay on this game it, it and you know what I'm game saying, is still broken what amazing you know what's still broken that needs to uh, that should have been delayed final fantasy 13, uh, 14 yes and you know what yeah. i still check i still check their website every day to see what the new updates are and when they're going to be putting them out Next week, they're going to be adding chocobos. They should just relaunch the damn game. Like, cancel the game right now. We get chocobos next week after a freaking year. And, well, I check my my Battle.net account every, like, hour to see if I got into the beta. I'm like, oh, beta. No. Please. You know what? I'm actually kind of glad, though. They delayed the game, but they also said they were extending the beta and adding more people, which I think is what they did with StarCraft. So oh, yeah. The StarCraft I'm willing to bet like the beta will end like two or three weeks before the game comes out. So. Uh, I, I would say probably like a month. But I, I, would, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think the game's going to come out probably late January, early February. And I'm cool with that. Like, it gives me a chance to play Skyrim because as I warned everyone on the website, like, I'm supposed to be doing the PC Skyrim review. And if Diablo came out anywhere near that, I was just like, nope. Nope. Not going to do it. You know, but Rob, if it comes out in January, how are you going to play 13-2? I think I'll... Oh, no. I think yeah, I mean, by January, I'll still be playing Uncharted 3. No, you won't. Well, no, probably I not. might still be play playing, playing Xenoblade you'll... at this rate. I might still yeah, be playing you, you'll still be Souls. Playing that gets yeah, that... another JRPG, Rob, is probably going to like Dark Souls. I wouldn't say Dark Souls is a JRPG so much as it is a pain simulation. Some people like pain. That's actually my next piece of news anyway. Yeah, Dark Souls has gone gold. Woohoo! Yay! So everybody can have fun dying over and over. Derek, are you going to get October. it? I never die in Dark Maybe. Souls. Maybe. Uh, everybody's like everybody's going to listen to this podcast and be like, I hate this guy. But I didn't really like Demon Souls. I, I bought it twice. And both times I tried to get into it and I couldn't. Like, I beat the first world or level. And after that I was just like, ugh. Because the world is really interesting, but I could not stand like the graphical style or uh, i don't know i didn't like the equipment system i just it felt so bland like it wasn't that it was too hard it was just bland so Maybe i want to play chocobos. dark souls yeah it should have had chocobos and rainbows and sparkles that would have made it better <laughs> yeah yeah no but see i i will agree i think that some of the things of demon souls were cumbersome the inventory screen i think the art style was awesome but the graphics were kind of yeah at times, like that game, that game would chug to like one frame a second at times if you like knocked open a barrel. But it, for me, it was the combat, and that's what I keep coming back to with with Demon Souls. I feel like I'm in combat with a monster, and, and I need weights. to be, and I need to be very very careful. And I really really like that. Like I'm I'm sorry when I was playing The Witcher 2, I just felt like it was half ass Demon Souls combat. And there was no weight to what I was doing, and it yeah, was very the frustrating. The combat in Demon Souls has serious weight to it. Like when you hit stuff, it's like rah, and then like you know something blocks, and you like you feel like that shield saved your life because it did. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that I, you know the first couple reports have come out about Dark Souls. Uh, you know, I'm going to be reviewing it, so hopefully I'll, I'll get the game, and I'm going to try to tear through it as best I can. But everybody's kind of saying like. First off, the game is freaking huge. Like some people are saying that they've played it for 60 hours and they don't even think they're halfway done. 
it's got the open world environment so you can really you know like go in different directions and fight different monsters and this that it it just sounds like everything's awesome but there's still a lot of mystery about it like i don't understand how the humanity system works and i've read three write-ups on it and i'm just like what the hell like maybe that's a commentary on your humanity it could be i i might have zero humanity that gets us back to vampire so i don't know <laughs> but I think um, you know Dark Souls is coming out. Uh, it's already out in Japan. Did very well in Famitsu, but Famitsu, you know, we don't really pay attention to their review scores. But um, yeah, getting good reviews. People seem to be ecstatic with it. I think that if you are a lover of pain, you're going to want to check it out. So Derek, I will hold your hand if you get it. Kono game wa subarashi yata yata. Muzukashi. Can we plug but, uh, Can we plug Retro Game Master and they need to make season two on Kotaku like now? Man, I love Retro Game Master. I love Retro Game Master. Alright, so let's move on. Let's talk about something that is like the opposite of Dark Souls, and that's the Final Fantasy X remake. What? Wow. Because that's I the mean, Final that's Fantasy everyone loves remake. What? Sorry, I was quoting that ha 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 Stay away from the summoner. Ha 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 ha! Okay, ha, you're a bad man. Ha, ha. Was this what everybody wanted? Ha 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 ha! Okay, actually, uh, I I love Final Fantasy X. So I'm I love, I love, but but actually, I do but too. I don't think it's the one that everybody wanted. No, we wanted nine because nine's the best Final Fantasy ever made. No, I don't other, think we wanted. Nine. No, they wanted. They want. We want nine. They wanted seven. Yes. Everybody else wanted seven. We wanted nine. I think uh, – but now reports are coming out that it's going to be a remake, not just an HD update. Now, I, th- that could be getting lost in translation. I'm not sure. And that it's also going to be on the Vita? Yeah. Vita I don't good. think we know either way uh, if it's going to be a remake or a remaster, but it is going to be on PS3 and Vita. I don't believe I, it will be a remake. I don't yeah, think so either. I think too, it's going to be – too new to be a remake. It wouldn't yeah. make any sense. I think it's going to be just an HD remaster, and we have to see. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that the uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 remaster, like the the HD collection, is really, really high quality, and that some of the other yeah. remasters. What's that? Oh, I was just excited because Metal Gear 3 is the best game in the series. Yes, it is. And a lot of people are saying that some of the other remasters, like even the Team Eco collection, was kind of it was good, but they didn't go as far as they could have with the remaster. And I think it's. You know, do we want to see little things updated in these remasters, or do we want them to be as true to the original game as possible? And I think that some things, like I know one reviewer was complaining in Eco, like there's no autosave system in the game. So if you, and that's something that we take for granted right now. So if you die in Eco and you didn't sit on a couch to save two hours ago, you might be screwed. Like there, there isn't you know a very friendly checkpoint system and. Do we want that kind of stuff to be uh, changed in an upgrade, or do we want it to be as close to the original game as possible? New content, be- yes. Mechanics changes, no. I want realistic Seymour here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's like, impossible. So it, it would be flat all day every day. <laughs> yeah. All day every day. look like Sephiroth with blue hair. All day every day. Was. I've... <sighs> I really liked the combat in Final Fantasy X, but it did kind of take watching the Spoonie experiment to realize that the story is really bad. You fight a giant tick at the end of the game. Hey, spoilers, dude. Take it easy. That's not a spoiler. No one understands what I'm talking about. The tick is a jerk. Like, have you ever encountered a tick in real life? I'm just saying, it's a giant tick. Yeah, he's always biting your pets and making them attack you back. It sucks, man. I'm just saying, it's a tick. Giant tick on a giant wheel. <laughs> it is a cool, All right. it, it's a cool Final Fantasy, but I just think it's it's interesting that you know we got an update on that and no update on versus. A new a new Chrono game would have been cool. Or hey, did know, they announce uh, Kingdom Hearts re- three? No, but they weren't going to. Did they? Hey, did uh, Capcom announce Resident Evil six? No, but they did announce that they are have no plans to move forward Mega Man Legends three. Just you know because. Did you read – oh, my God. Did you read the article that KG Inafune was like, I want to continue working on it? And Capcom was like, no. You don't nope, get that won't be necessary. They, they're like, that won't be necessary. And I'm like, hmm. So Tokyo Game Show was kind of like, meh. Well, Actually, it was cool because cool Nintendo announced that awesome Frankenstick. Which just called and, for the 3DS redesign. And not one, but two Monster Hunter games. Which means the 3DS is now a success. Well, that's true. More news, Derek? 
Um, there is an expansion, not an expansion, there's DLC coming out for Deus Ex called Missing Link, and it's going to be awesome. It's under siege. I guess. It's uh, Adam Jensen on a boat. I, I haven't He's on a boat? A, yes, it's Die Hard on, on a boat, boat, which is also called I haven't under played Deus Ex yet. He's so on a boat, You Rob, need to play I it. Error, forget it. Uh, so we, we talked a little bit, and I, I want to talk about it right now on the actual show. Um, I kind of have a hard time with DLC that takes place in the middle of a game. I don't really like the, you know, when you're playing Deus Ex at one point, like Adam gets into, for lack of better terms, like a coffin. And it's like three weeks later, he wakes up and you do another section of the game. And I was kind of like, I think we're missing something here. It kind of feels like they took a section out of the game. And now they're putting it back in much the same way as Assassin's Creed 2 had, like, the skip ahead of, like, six or seven years in Ezio's life, and they then went back and re-released as DLC. I don't really like DLC like that. I don't like DLC that takes place in the middle of my video game. I think it's because it comes out far enough after that you've bought the game and finished it, so it removes any dramatic tension. It was like, Kasumi was a really awesome DLC for Mass Effect, which I think is a great game for DLC in general, but... You got Kasumi, you get a letter from the Elusive Man after the end of the game where it really doesn't make any sense. And it's like, yeah, BTW, I got some new person to help you fight the collectors. I'm like, dude, they're dead. <laughs> I heard you, I beat them in their Contra boss last week. What the yeah, hell, I'm like, I, I showed up and killed the Terminator and, you know, it was great, but I, I don't really need somebody else now. Yeah, and I, I think that that's... You know, it, I made the analogy, I'm in the middle of reading Snow Crash right now, which just on a book... Just on a book note, it is an excellent book. I'm really enjoying reading it. But it's like, what if Stevenson just took out chapters 13 through 16 and then released them as DLC, like, after the book was out? It's kind of silly. Like, it doesn't... I don't know. I have a hard time with that. Isn't the writer of Twilight trying to do that or something? I heard there was a a book, the first book, but she's just swapping the perspective. So it's on Edward's perspective sort of thing. It's like, really, it's the (laughs) The same book, but instead is, but just changing the names so, around. So wait, what is it? Just angst, 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 sparkle, oh, angst, oh, angst. From a, but from a Malik's perspective. Here, here's the beginning. Uh, it's Edward's perspective. Okay. Oh, the ladies love me. I'm so lonely. Yeah. Oh, I'm so misunderstood. Oh, I, I hate. He'd make a really good JRPG it. protagonist. <laughs> He'd have to be silent though. So would everybody else. That's true. So do we uh, – and meanwhile, I think that you have really good DLC. One of my favorite DLC packs was um, Point Lookout for Fallout 3, which is like its own self-contained entity, and it can take place after the game. Like – well, you have to have Broken Steel, but you know that's neither here nor there. But I, I think that I just don't like a section of the game being taken out and put I, back in. I think it's a little silly. I don't agree with your reasoning, but I agree that I don't like it being taken out. Like, I, I comparing it to a book doesn't really work because a book is like it's written, you read it, that's it. Whereas a game, you have to interact with it. Like, that's the story true. It may be linear, but it just it removes the dramatic tension because the book, if you removed a chapter, odds are you'd lose track of where you're going. But if they write the game so that this, I mean, this section of the game isn't going to have any impact on the story. You'll probably get some background. But it's not going to be like, oh, Human Revolution is now I'm looking at a different light. It's not going to affect that. It's not going to change the four buttons at the end yeah, of the game. It, it was written so that way it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Whereas if you cut, you know, if you cut out the scene, you know, at the end of Harry Potter 6, that's kind of important. Yeah. And I think that, um, gosh, what was I going to say? Um, I think I was going to make a joke about the three seashells because they're actually in deus ex human revolution i think that's awesome that's a great demolition man reference so is the guy from robocop yeah i i think that there's a i love deus ex i thought it was a great game i just think it's a it's not the way i would like to see dlc oh now i remember what what i was going to say this i don't think this is in news but uh we should talk about it they talk about how there's going to be a boss battle in the game which of course has everyone going ah in the dlc a boss battle in the dlc yeah, there's going to be a boss battle in the DLC, and then it came out that uh, those boss battles were outsourced. Yeah, but I mean, they did, I'd rather them focus on the actual part of the game that you spend the majority of the game doing than waste their time 
not polishing the core game and building stupid boss fights. Right, right, right. And now they've said that the boss fight that's in Missing Link is actually like you can sneak up on the guy, you can take him out from a distance. Like it sounds like they've realized. It's pre- okay. So it's a preview for Human Revolution too. Yes, and I'm awesome. okay with that. And I'm I, okay with I, that as well. I'm pretty sure we're going to get a second Deus Ex, so it might be cool to see how they expand on things, how they open things up. I'll probably pick this up if it's reasonably priced. You know. Less than like maybe ten bucks, I might pick yeah. up. I think ten bucks might be a bit much. One other thing I wanted to point out too: DLC from the middle of the game I don't like, but DLC set up like in Borderlands is great because it adds additional stuff to the game to do that's actually like the sort of thing you'd want to do. Like it adds the zombie island, or they added, you know, they raised the level cap and gave you crazier enemies to fight. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good DLC. They're practically expansion packs in yeah. Borderlands defense. I mean, they're practically expansion packs, and that's kind yeah. Of- yeah, like the zombie island is like, you know, it's a good couple of hours long. And I mean, the price of it was reasonable. So, you know. Yeah. All DLC is more of the game. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. More news. All right. We have uh, one final piece of news today, and that is that Exceed, the amazing company, and Lords of Bacon are going to bring out Grand Knight's history here in the U.S., which is really Yay. exciting. I'm um, So I'm going to. Yes. I'm gonna and just... Europe, but not like they matter. I'm just kidding. No, they don't. Who cares about them? Losers. Shoot, I'm going to forego right. my usual amount of Exceed love because I think they're just beautiful people and I want to work for them um, and just say that actually this game looks pretty cool. Yes, Grand Knight History is a uh, it's a 2D um, game developed by VanillaWare and it's kind of like a hybrid strategy RPG sort of. Um, I think it has turn-based combat. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'm going to read an excerpt from the press release. It says, Vanilla Warrior is renowned for their beautiful and striking hand-drawn 2D graphics, and with its stunning visuals and strategic gameplay, Grand Knight's history will be a must-have for all PSP owners with a, tape, with a taste for deep engrossing RPGs. So I think there's a lot to be excited about, and I know that um, a lot of people are saying that the PSP is declining and why bother releasing anything for it. But, I mean, Odin Sphere is amazing. Muramasa is questionable. It but would have I been better if it else... wasn't translated by people who couldn't speak Japanese. Oh, my God. I know. Like, if you listen to the Japanese, they're not saying anything even close to that. Nope. In the translated... <laughs> anyway. Um, but but Granite's history looks really good. And I actually... I remember when um, Dragon's Crown was announced, the other Vanillaware game for the, the Vita. A lot of people were... Or at least I thought, or and some, some other people thought that that was Grand Knight's history at first, like an upscaled version of it, but it's something completely different. So we're getting both of those things, and more Vanillaware is always good. I'm shocked at how brave they're being still releasing games for the PSP. I mean, that's... Well, you have to think that they're going to build some kind of infrastructure. I mean, Sony really hasn't said exactly what they're going to do about the PlayStation Vita and like PlayStation and PSP games. Like I, the only thing holding me back right now, like I have a PSP now. My girlfriend was nice enough to give it to me, and I really want to f- freaking play Tactics Ogre, but I'm kind of hesitant to pick it up and play it on the PSP if there's a PSP. Like twenty bucks. What? It's twenty bucks now. Is it really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I thought it was like still forty. Oh. No. Like, but uh, even I, if you only have, you know, you have the system, just get a game for it, and who cares if the new system won't play the old games or anything? Well, I actually have to also go out and get a memory stick, and that's just a whole other pain in the ass. And my cat just bit me, so I'm gonna bite him back. Amazon, five bucks. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, but so the, have... the thing that I'm terrified about with the PSP is uh, Legend of Heroes because Exceed was taking all that on, and they're so massive. And the first one ends on such a cliffhanger that I'm so afraid that they're not going to get those the other two out to us because of the PSP, you know, kind of nearing its end. I don't know, though. I mean, why don't they just release it on PlayStation Network like they did with uh, Wizardry? Then you can play well, the PSP to end PSP. They should, but they just they haven't said anything. I mean, since they originally announced that they were going to be releasing all of them, they haven't said a word. And every time people ask, so what's the status on uh, Legend of Heroes 2 and 3? They're like, nothing. Oh. So I don't know. It's it's just kind of worrisome. I mean, until they actually say, yes, we're doing something, but we can't announce yet, I'm going to be nervous about it. Well, keep in mind, PS2 was out for a good two years while PS3 was out, and they were still making games for that. So I wouldn't anticipate the PSP like just dying instantaneously when the Vita's out. Well, so, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to expect that we'd see games on it. I feel like it's going to be dead. That's just I don't know. Me, well, you want, you want everything to die. I it's do not the, want everything to die. I want Diablo 3 to live. It's going to be the budget-priced handheld. 
You think that's going to be the budget price handheld? Yeah, I mean, the DS is already budget priced. Oh, everybody, oh, everybody already oh, has PSP. one. Oh, I thought you meant Vita. I was like, what are you smoking, dude? No, I mean, the, they PS, have that. The, the PSP is going to be the handheld the parents buy their four-year-old for Christmas because he wants a, you know, a PlayStation Vita. Right, right, right. They have the hilarious new European-only PSP that has no Wi-Fi and is or cheaper. has no features. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have to wonder if that's the direction they're going to take it in. Well, I think we're just about done for this episode, guys. So that's it for news, I suppose. Um, do you guys have fun? Yeah, yes, I did. Yes, yeah, it's very fun. Play Xenoblade and jump through however flaming hoops you have to to get it. <laughs> well, uh, for myself, for Stephen, for Derek, and for Greg, thank you everybody for listening. Um, you know, we have more podcasts planned. I know we have a writing in games podcast coming up probably going to happen after dark souls because that's all i'm going to want to talk about here in the next week it's only i can't believe it's only a week away like it snuck up on me i've been so busy with like school and teaching and whatnot and i'm just like it comes out october 4th yeah i want to hate gamestop for being evil or something but they gave me the dark souls collector's edition free so i don't care anymore yeah i can be i can can be bought there you go there you go (laughs) they're gonna give you a metal tin with an art book in it, I'm okay with, with that. With a soundtrack, that's all I care about. Forget the metal team, it comes with a soundtrack. For all those who thought maybe RPG fan gets paid to write the reviews, there's the proof. Yeah, Free proof. games. <laughs> proof right there, we buy the games. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have that. We're going to have, of course, the writing in games. So Dark Souls writing in games. Skyrim, of course. Shadow Hearts. Well, maybe Shadow Hearts if people are interested. Can I ask one thing real quick? And I, I really don't want to get flamed over this. Why am I losing interest in Skyrim? I don't know. I'm not that. I think it's because a lot of other things are coming out that I'm really interested in, like they have like stories. But like the the really, the really really high quality like run through uh, of Skyrim came out on like game trailers, and I sat down and watched it, and I I kind of just yawned. I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe like I. I think it's because that kind of game is more prevalent now, and. Bethesda has already done, you know, they did two Fallout games and they had Oblivion. So I mean, at this point now, it's no matter what they well, change. Bethesda did it, one Fallout game. Let's let's be careful there. Bethesda, uh, did yeah, one yeah, Fallout game and Obsidian. But I mean, that that type of gameplay is now, you know, pretty easy to access. And Skyrim, no matter what how you slice it, no matter what they change, Skyrim is still just going to be Oblivion in a different setting with better graphics. Yeah, and I think the other problem is I just I don't want to sound too negative on it though because I'm still excited for it. Yeah, I mean I want to play it, but I I think the other problem is that I just do not give a crap about that world. I've said it like a million times on the show, like I just don't care. Like it's generic fantasy. Like I'm sorry after you like read Martin and like watch Game of Thrones, it's like that's the fantasy setting I want. I don't really care about like. You know, giant giants walking the land for no good reason. Like, I just, I don't care. Like, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I don't I mean, do it, but I don't think anyone's playing that game for the lore. I think that's true, but but with Fallout, you know, you have the connotation of like being an American. Sorry, Greg, but you have like the connotation, of, yeah, of being an American and like going to Washington D.C. And I think that's why it resonated with me. I I don't know. Maybe it resonated with me because I could shoot people's heads off in slow motion and their entire body would explode. Well, true. And maybe I'm also just being a pessimist. Like as we were coming up on the release of Deus Ex, I was getting nervous about that, and I think that just had a lot to do with the areas that they were showing were just not indicative of what the actual game was. Like they were showing a lot of action scenes, and I think the game plays better as a stealth title than it does an action game. It's a perfectly good action game, but. That's not what I was interested in, so maybe that's the maybe that's the thing with Skyrim. I'm just. It could also be that Uncharted comes out so close to it. So I mean, that's really what I'm going for. You mean that overrated game series? Derek, hit me. Uncharted. Uncharted is amazing. Thank you. Peter's gonna hate dot gif. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Stymin gonna hate. Stymin gonna hate. Stymin gonna love. Uh. I don't even want. No. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> all right thanks everybody for listening uh make sure you subscribe to the rss feed make sure you subscribe to us on itunes give us reviews let us know if you guys want a shadow hearts podcast we could definitely do it i think i might actually go play that right now so you know you do yeah 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 so for everybody on the show thanks again and we'll talk to y'all later <laughs> <laughs>